0: All right, hello, and welcome back to Real Seekers. I'm your host, Dale, the Real Seeker, and today we have a, a show that came to me as a, a request from my friend uh, and Christian apolog fellow Christian brother here, Marvin Wallace. Been uh, kind of interacting with uh, a skeptic on the SNS boards, uh, Darren Lute. So, first of all, I just want to say, hey, Marvin, hey, Darren, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Dale. Hello.
0: Awesome man. and uh, Marvin. Obviously, you you've been on the show before, uh, starting with you. So you know I won't ask you to introduce yourself and that sort of thing. But do you want to just kind of give an, an update? Have you been up to anything that you think the audience would be interested in? Apologetically, or
1: um, I wish I wish I could say something interesting, but no. <laughs> no uh, just working away. Have a parents day. Have a parents day tomorrow. So um, it's quite late here. So. Uh, under the cosh.
0: Yeah. Okay okay you got a boring life like I do so okay so yeah. so Darren it's on you then to entertain the folks. Um, Obviously this is your first time on the show Uh, you're here by Marvin's request so I want to just give you some time to kind of introduce the audience as to who you are and that sort of thing and perhaps a little bit about your your own faith journey or de-faith journey whatever you want to call it.
2: Oh I'm pretty much in the same boat you guys are. I'm fairly boring. Um, I was never a Christian, actually. Um, I've always been an atheist. Uh, The early years, I called myself an agnostic, but um, after a long time of uh, looking at not only Christian uh, claims, but also other religions, um, I just... uh, over time became more and more convinced that no gods exist and not only don't exist but are just not possible to exist um interesting
0: okay so so you say you kind of say that it it's not only that they don't exist as a matter of fact, but you th- say it's impossible for any and all concepts of gods or like the specific Christian God like them,
2: yeah, that's the conclusion I'm coming to um okay. just because. There's no indication that there's anything other than material and the first uh, definition of uh, a God that you get is immaterial. So um, if there's no immaterial, I mean, then there can't be a God. Gotcha. Okay. All right, cool.
0: Well, oh, uh, see, David's joining us just to listen in uh, and he's going to ask questions at the end. Uh, Hey, uh, David, how are you doing? Never
3: better. Hi, David. Awesome. Hi there. I'll be I'll be putting together a piece of furniture, so feel free to mute me. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: hang on one second. And you can just unmute yourself when I bring you in at the end. Okay. Uh, so with that said, uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get straight into this. So this is going to be an official debate between Marvin representing the Christian side and Darren representing the atheist side, as you can tell. Uh, and it's going to be on the issue of grounding morality. And what we've agreed to in terms of format is we're going to give Marvin starting with him and approving the case for 10 minutes that God is necessary to ground morality. And then we'll have a 20 minute or so period of uh, discussion. Marvin, let me just ask you, do you have like strict time limits that I should be aware of or?
1: Yeah, I need to uh, stick to my time limits because uh, I have a, Parents' Day tomorrow, like I said, and I'm barely awake now.
0: Okay, cool. So, so we'll give Marvin his uninterrupted ten-minute uh, opening to make his case. Then we'll have twenty minutes of like an informal discussion between Darren and Marvin discussing his case. Then after the half-hour yeah. mark, we're going to uh, give Darren uh, ten minutes. Yeah.
1: Well. Okay. Huh? It's a little bit. It's a little bit more formal than I was and had anticipated. So my case is uh, just very simple. It's object. All I want to say is object. Objective moral. Oh my goodness, tired. Objective moral values and du- duties do exist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Therefore, subjectivism is false. Okay. Okay. And theism best accounts for objective moral values and duties that's my case
0: oh, okay um fair enough so yeah so darren it's up to you guys you can have your free discussion we'll end around ten thirty, and then i'll get leave you to make your opening
2: okay do you, uh you mind if i get a couple of definitions from you first from me right.
0: yeah, yeah. You guys are just having a free discussion at this point, so.
1: Okay, uh, definition for what?
2: A few things. One. What do you mean by grounds morality?
1: Grounds a best. I'd say best accounts for the existence of morality.
2: Okay, so uh, ground morality is just syn- synonym for best accounts for.
1: Yeah, it's okay. I can go with that. Yeah. Best okay. accounts for the existence of morality. Yes.
2: All right. And what's your criteria for uh, determining what best accounts for? For example, if I had a uh, two competing claims, one God accounts best accounts for morality, and the other is say fairies uh, best ac- uh, accounts for morality. What criteria would you use to? Uh, determine which one actually best accounts for morality
1: okay so if a possible God exists or fairies that uh, account for morality hmm I can't see why I can't see why uh, fairies could be a possible explanation for the existence of morality.
2: Why right, but I, I, what I'm looking for is sort of the criteria that you gauge those kinds of claims. Because it seems to me that is partly subjective.
1: If, if God exists and the creator of existence, okay, created order, but a, fa- a fairy is a contingent being. So since a fairy is a contingent being, I, I can't see how a contingent being could be the cause of the way things are because a con- contingent being is a created being because it's not, not a necessary being. So I can't catch, I just can't see how a fairy could be the first cause and therefore, well, and the creator and, uh, and the designer and therefore the best account of morality.
2: Okay, so your criteria there, for if I'm uh, reading that correctly, seems to be um, what makes sense to you?
1: Uh, not necessarily what makes sense to me, but what is plausible and what can be adduced from looking at argumentation. Now, if you right. look That's at... That's fairly
2: subjective, right?
1: If you look at... Um, are, not really. I think it is... Co- Let me put it like this. Could a fairy, even in principle, be a first, be a first cause?
2: Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't even think a god can be, in principle, the uh, My my the question universe, to so. you is:
1: Could a fairy, even in principle, be a first cause? Sure, it could be. So a fairy could, so a fairy could survive this the singularity.
2: Well, i mean if we're just making up if the, if making up beings if then the fairy can do whatever we it, make it up to do right
1: if, if what the dictionary definition is not of, of a fairy is not it can do whatever you make it up to be it's a certain kind of being isn't it so a fairy could survive this space-time <laughs> well infinite, let's not get almost, too let's not get too uh, to first, uh off topic here i'm trying point. to
2: figure out what's the criteria And so far, it seems to be whatever you think is plausible, so. Say that again? Well, uh, I'm trying to figure out what's the criteria for um, thinking that something best accounts for something else. And so, so far, it seems to be like whatever you think is plausible. Uh, is there any other criteria or i mean what do you 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 like what, whatever
1: of? i think is pl- plausible it's not what i think is pl- plausible it's just about what anybody thinks is plausible
2: well i don't right? think that a god is plausible, that so by, that's not we, it has to be something by, more than just that
1: we're doing it by abductive reasoning right you Absolutely. you say that a fairy could be the first cause and thus the reason that we have morality but i'm saying well a fairy can't be the first cause because a fairy doesn't have the kind of properties that a first cause
2: needs to have. Well, I don't think I don't think a god can be a first cause pro- either.
1: One of the properties, one of the properties that a first cause needs to have in some ways to be able to survive a infinite density. A fairy can't survive infinite density.
2: Okay, but I guess my point is, is that I don't think a god is plausible. So it ha- the criteria has to be more than what everyone I mean, thinks is plausible, right? Yeah,
1: by by your own criteria, that's your subjective opinion, isn't it?
2: Well, and it's your subjective opinion but that what, I, I'm, varies what I'm
1: saying is what what the arguments point to and what the evidence points to.
2: Well, I we'll get to that later, but I don't think you actually have any evidence. But okay, but what so to get so we're not getting too off track here. What is so? What are there any other criteria other than um, what you feel is plausible?
1: what do you mean by what i feel is plausible i've just what what we're arguing it's not just what i feel is pl- plausible it's what is plausible in terms of what can be argued
2: right but Some what i pointed out was that just others. because you think okay. something's plausible doesn't mean that everyone that thinks sense. it's plausible
1: yeah. okay got it okay if we've got if we take plausibility to mean what we think is most probable then yeah i can accept that
2: okay so is there any other criteria for uh, best accounts for no. Okay. It's just what you feel what you subjectively feel is plausible then.
1: So we go over the point again.
2: Well I'm just I would just want to verify that I'm getting this right.
1: You want to verify you're getting what right?
2: The what the definition of a best accounts for is. In your mind, it best accounts for is what you what you feel is the most plausible. Am I getting that right? Well,
1: I've pointed to abductive reasoning.
2: Okay. Right, and that's how you get to what you feel is most plausible.
1: Yeah. Well, if if you want to if you want to characterize it as uh, what I feel, then you can do that. But I say it's abductively reasoned.
2: Okay, so if I um, so if I say that um, something else is the best account of morality and you think uh, and you say that God is the best account for morality, then basically all we're saying is that I think, in my opinion, that something else is more plausible than a God. And you're saying that, in your opinion, God is the most plausible reason for uh, um, the account for morality.
1: Well, you can look at it like that, but if there's a if there's a non-plausible account versus a plausible account, and then you say that the non-plausible account is what you feel, then that's up to you,
2: right? But and if it's up,
1: it's, it's up to the listeners, right? To but what's plausible
2: so. or not plausible is completely subjective, right? Because I could find something that you think is plausible, unplausible, and you could find something that I think is plausible, completely unplausible, right?
1: Well, in a, in a certain sense, but in another sense, you you can you can't say things that can't be a candidate for plausibility and then uh, tout them as being plausible like a fairy well,
2: well to be fair I think you're doing the exact that exact because thing a fairy when you is say a, a god because
1: a, because, a fairy, because a fairy is a contingent being for a start so a, a, a contingent being can't be the first cause right but exactly what you're saying that i can't a do a contingent being since a contingent being can't be the first cause Right. And it can't be a designer of everything that exists. It can't imbue us with whatever it is that we have that make us like that that God or the way we are. So there's plausibility in that sense. I mean, everything is 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 probable. You could put it like that, but not everything is plausible. OK, and I'm appealing to at least what you uh, put forward as a candidate for for being the cause of morality must be plausible. If the contradictory or negation is less plausible, then, like I said, it's up for the viewers to decide.
2: Well, I mean, reality is or it isn't, so it's not really for the viewers to decide. They can make their opinions about reality, but reality either it is or it isn't. So uh, understand I, that, but neither all, of us I don't dictate think God reality at all.
1: Uh, yeah, reality is what it is, but neither you or I dictate reality, the, re, the the listener makes up their own mind about what is reality.
2: Well sure that's I why we're making
1: that. the that's why we're making the case.
2: Right. But like I said, I don't think that a God is even possible. So something that's not even possible can't be plausible. So if you want to well, say that God that, is more plausible then that's a non starter uh, for me right there. Well you, it, you right is,
1: there. well you think a God is uh not plausible. I think no no God is not plausible. So there we okay, go. Okay, so how
2: do we go about determining which one of us is correct then?
1: Well, that's the point of discussions like this, isn't it?
2: Well, no, the point of discussions like this is to throw around opinions and then uh, talk about them a little bit. I mean, we've only got, what, an hour? And philosophy has been arguing over this for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um I guess let's move on to the next thing. So how do you go about de- demonstrating that objective ma- morals and values actually do exist? Although I suppose we should determine what you mean by objective first. So what do you mean by objective?
1: Oh, what 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 I mean by object- objective is holds true regardless of people and uh, observing those instances so throughout time space and eternity um, you might put it like this stanford encyclopedia of philosophy puts it like this objective moral values exist even in the existence of people to view them they're waiting to be discovered that's what i mean by objective values and duties
2: okay so how did you discover that objective moral values and duties exist outside of the um, people of reservium
1: pardon again could you say that again
2: so how did you discover that objective moral values exist outside of the human experience
1: uh i don't know what you mean because i'm a human
2: well, you just said that objective means that uh, it holds regardless of people observing those instances. It's something that we discover, right? Yeah. So, how did you discover objective moral values and uh, duties?
1: What you say doesn't follow.
2: So, you okay. say that objective uh, things are discovered, and me asking you, how did you discover them, is, doesn't follow? Yeah, but well you just said uh, you just said
1: outside of humanity or something like that. So you're asking me how do I know that ob- what objective values and duties are?
2: Sure,
1: uh, know them intuitively. Know them a few ways. I know so, how does, it, how does intuition? Them. Well, let in me the explain. Objective. You're asking me to explain. I'm trying to explain. Right.
2: Go ahead. Right.
1: You You asked me how I know, and I'm telling you how how I know, or how I think I know. Okay. First, I would say that there are divine commands. Those are uh, translated in the Bible. Second, there are, I would subscribe to virtue ethics. So the life of Jesus tells us how uh, to live our lives. And those are grounded, I think, in the kind of people that we are. We are given A moral kind of compass what i would say is moral intuition so those are how i know or how i think i know
2: right but none of those uh point to an objective uh uh, morality outside of the human condition intuitions are completely human um i mean divine command you might be able to uh do if you can figure if you can figure out a way to show that the bible actually is divine commands from god um but moral tuition that's just humans that's not outside of human uh humans i don't
1: get your point because like i said i'm a human so how do you expect an, a human to have experience of something that is non-human but we're constituted in a way in which we well, have moral intuitions well you're saying objective moral- so, you're so you're example, saying objective
2: um, morals exist outside of the human condition. That if no if, you, if no people no, exist I didn't that, say that. What
1: I said this. was what I said was that is the Stanford Encyclopedia definition.
2: Okay, then what's but your what definition?
1: The, what the Stanford what the Stanford Encyclopaedia definition is, it's not it's not saying that those laws exist somewhere in space. It's saying that they are binding in such a way that even if people conscious agents weren't here to observe observe them that they would hold true that's what they that's what it means
2: okay so how does how does your intuition mean that uh, the morals that you think you have hold true in that way
1: well let me quote atheist philosopher louise anthony who says You know, when you hold a moral intuition and it's obviously more true than it's um, contradictory or negation, then you have no reason to believe it's contradictory or negation. For example, and the standard textbook uh, moral uh, moral truth that is given is torturing babies for fun is wrong. I can't see any way ordinarily when that is right. Can you?
2: Well, if you're asking my opinion on it, that's subjective by definition. So, asking me my opinion doesn't get you to objective. I'm asking okay. you, how do you get to objective? That's really, by that's your really cool. So
1: that's just your opinion. So, your opinion could change and it could be okay.
2: Well, I mean, that's how the, your God works, right? Yeah, uh, he, uh, you he slaughtered uh, all I'm, sorts of babies. I'm, I'm
1: asking you about subjective. You, you asked me about objective. Moral, but if we're going to stay on point, then we're talking about
2: objective morals, right? You
1: you ask me, okay. You ask me how object how I know objective morals exist, right? And I've told and I've stated well, they're obviously more true than the contradictories or negations.
2: Well, that's your opinion, sure.
1: Then I've given you an example of an objective moral value. And I'm no, you gave me you... your opinion
2: of an objective okay, moral value. So since I'm it's asking you, how do we get from your opinion since, to actual since objective? it's
1: my opinion, right?
2: No, I, it's I, your opinion. I don't,
1: opinion. Think, I, I don't mm-hmm. think I can be wrong about this, but you think I Well, just because you don't
2: think you can be wrong about so it, how you aren't wrong I,
1: about it. So show me how I can be wrong about it, please.
2: Well, if we're talking about objective, it has to be more than just someone's opinion. I mean, it is my opinion that torturing babies for fun is wrong, but that doesn't yeah. equal objective.
1: Well, tell me how it it could be wrong because I can't see it ever being wrong. Therefore, it's objective.
2: No, that's not what objective means. Objective means it's outside the opinion of people. It's it's wrong regardless of what the opinion of people is. Just because every if everyone's opinion is that it's wrong, then that just means it's universal, not objective.
1: I'm not tracking with you on that one. Could you say it again, please? If I've if, if everyone's opinion that theory, is wrong,
2: that, it's... that just means it's universal, not objective. If it uh, if it's going to be objective, it has to be true regardless of what the opinions of people are. So my point is, give
1: me an example where it's wrong, and then you've made your point.
2: I'm pointing out that the definitions. It doesn't match by definition. You're
1: talking about definitions, but I'm asking for an example because I can't envisage an an example when it's wrong. So please give me an example of how torturing babies for fun is something that is not objectively wrong.
2: Yeah, that's not how this works. You don't get to say something and then have someone else prove you wrong. You have to prove that what you're saying is correct.
1: And I'm proving... What I'm saying is correct by reductio ad, absurd, reductio ad absurdum. <laughs> no, you're not. Which you're saying say that, which is to say that if you hold the contradictory view, it's not sensible. No, all,
2: all you're showing is that it's an opinion that people have based on their intuitions. You have not yet linked intuitions to being okay. objectively true.
1: What I'm saying is, we can we can be wrong about some things. Okay. I'm saying that this is something that I cannot un- understand or envis- envision that we could be wrong about. So it's objective. Okay?
2: No, that's not so true. flat out wrong. So I'm
1: asking you to show Martin. me how, how yeah. it's wrong.
0: Okay. So I I just want to step in here just because we have breached the, the 1030 deadline, but Before we move into Darren's case kind of thing, um, I have some questions and I'll turn it to David if he has some questions about your case, Marvin. So, Yeah, sure. Okay. So one of the things that I wrote down here that you mentioned is that yours is an abductive case, right? An inference to the best explanation. Mm -hmm. And I noted that you mentioned you think God is the most plausible explanation for grounding morality, but with abductive reasoning, there are other criteria, you know, explanatory power or scope. Uh, you know, simplicity, stuff like that. So like, what what's your take on those other criteria? Like, how do those relate to that? Is it all about plausibility or do these other criteria play a role?
1: The criteria play a role because I'm an, adv- I'm an advocate of a cumulative case. Okay. And the moral constitution of human humanity is one bow, one string, in the in the violin of um, of a cumulative case, it's eleven o'clock here, right? So it's a long, long day. So yeah. I I I think that it's one argument, and I think it's a good one. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, so
1: so the teleological, the ontological, um, axiological, mm-hmm. the moral, um, they all point towards a certain way reality is in my opinion yeah
0: gotcha okay cool and just two more quick questions uh and then i'll turn it to david if he has questions for your case yep. but, uh, so in terms of plausibility right so you made a plausibility god is the most plausible explanation for granting morality does this are you saying that there are non-god explanations for morality that you also find plausible just less so i
1: think i think there are non-plausible non-plausible i think there are non theistic explanations for objective morality as well Um, remember val put one forward which he called desireism. i think they're i think they're they're good um uh i think that they're reasonable explanations but not as Good is the explanation that theism gives over overall, because I think morality again is another kind of example of human exceptionalism. Exceptionalism.
0: Gotcha. Okay, cool. And my last question for you before I turn it to David. Um, mm-hmm. so I noticed I noticed you guys were going a bit back and forth on objectivism versus subjectivism. Um, I don't know what when I've debated uh David back when I was the host of SNS. I kind of argued rather than arguing for objective morality, which I think is, a is true. It's a good way to go personally, but I kind of try to avoid that by arguing for necessary moral truths. I think the necessity of the moral truths is a, a stronger Avenue and avoids confusions about what is objective. But I'm just wondering, like what's your take on ar- arguing that certain moral truths are necessary. They're true in every possible world. Um, I don't know if heard Yeah, that's a
1: good one. A a modal understanding of uh, net, of truth. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a good way of arguing.
0: All right, cool. Uh yeah, David, do you... I
1: argue objective uh, I argue oh, for objective moral realism because for me it's just kind of obvious.
0: Gotcha. Right. Right. It's your opinion then. If it's not true,
1: I want to know why. <laughs> right. And since it is true, what gives what is the best account of it?
0: Alright, cool. Uh David, I'll I'll bring you in at this point if you have a, a you know two or three questions for Marvin based on his case.
3: All right, I'll I'll try one. Uh can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, fine, fine. Okay. Um Marvin, let's assume there's a god. Uh yeah. I know that I know that Darren wouldn't want to assume that, and I, I don't like assuming it, but let's just see how much we can give up. <laughs> uh let's assume there's a god. Uh could that god not have created moral apparatus in us without objective morals. In other words, why couldn't this God have created a subjective moral system so that we could work it out ourselves? He gave us taste buds, but there is no objective great taste. He gave us a sense of smell. There's no objective sense of the best smelling thing uh there's there's no objective sense of the most beautiful picture um and so why is it necessary to you that this god could not have given us a subjective sense of moral so that we can work it out ourselves and that he must have given us some type of objective morality deep in our bones
1: Uh well i think Each of those categories is quite a different category to the moral realm. And moral realm, moral, morality has a sort of a, a feeling that is quite different to taste, for example. okay, Taste is what is good, but it's kind of personal and not so important. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're wrong or right about it, but morality is as an entirely different feel. It's about how we treat ourselves, treat others, interact with others, how we live our lives. So I, I think they're quite different. And I think that we are constituted in such a way that we have an, uh, we have a sort of a, a gut feeling, which I would call an intuition about what is right or wrong, because the stakes are high. And I think God constituted us in such a way that we can, be pointed in the right direction.
3: I'm not sure that the stakes are any higher, so I don't I don't follow you. If you oh. like, if your taste steers you wrong, and you know you like sweet things, and all you do is eat sweet things, you'll die of diabetes. the whole society will die of diabetes, tooth rot. Uh, tooth rot can kill you off just as much as some disease. Um, you can uh, develop a taste for things that are outright poisonous that can kill a community. So, I mean, you're saying the stakes are high and I agree that the stakes are high, but they're high in everything. And so just as we can work out over time, what uh, is good nutrition for us, we can work out over time as a society, what is good behavior, good ethical behavior for a well-functioning society. Objective uh-huh. morality is not required for that.
1: Yeah, we can work out what is what is good, um, what is good for a society over a period of time. I think that's a good point, and I think we have. I think Jesus showed that with the New Testament. Okay, I do think that the analogy still fails when you talk about um, nutrition because. Is just a different um, sphere. Um, I think then it was better when you mentioned that um, it can affect our well being, right? Our health. So I'll, I'll, I'll acquiesce to that. But um, I think, yeah, um, we can work things out over time, but um, we work things out and uh, we also know, right? And what we know is what we're working towards. The objective, the moral facts are the things that are foundational. And that is what we're working towards to improve society. And I think that that is what has happened. And that is what is happening to some degree.
3: Right. And I th- I think we can have a great yeah, society and and still have some things ethically wrong. But I that said, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to ask the question. I'll stick around. To the My pleasure.
1: The Always a pleasure to speak sure. with you, David.
3: You bet. I'll go back on mute.
0: Okay. Cool. So see, so yeah, I I want to be fair now, as we've agreed to the format of the debate. So now it's Darren. Now it's over to you to give your case, your opening case, ten minutes or less, whatever you want to do. Proving that God is not necessary for grounding morality?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, if all you mean for grounding morality is the best account for, and the best account for is what you feel is plausible, and it's your opinion that what's plausible, uh, what gets to be called plausible or not, um, then I would say it's easy enough because I don't find God plausible. Um, I don't even think he's possible. And something it doesn't matter how simplistic uh, or how simple the argument is or how great you think the arguments are. If something can't exist, then it can't be a grounding for something. And that's what I find most plausible. Um, As far as what I was actually going to say, I was just going to point out that morality is brain structure in the mind. We have morality because we can, we have this theory of mind that we develop when we're about four or five years old, and we can put ourselves in other people's uh, situations. Now, this is turned on and off, depending on whether they're in group or out group, um, and it's not any one structure in the brain, but it's uh, uh, distributed throughout all the different parts of the brain. Um, if you're really curious, I can name some of them for you, but not really relevant here. Um or if anyone's curious, if they want to look it up um, online, just um, Google the neuroscience of moral judgment or the uh, parts of the brain that make up morality. Um, it's all fairly well-established at this point, well-established science at this point. But um, And then the reason we have morality is because we actually feel pain when other people are feeling pain. This is how our brains are constructed. Um, So, this is why you get, when you're talking about morality, you're talking about different versions of being brave or being fair, um, helping out your group, um, screwing over the other, um, loving your family, returning favors, respecting other people's property. When you're talking about, when people talk about morality, they're talking about these types of things because we have this internal mechanism in our brain that allows us to feel pain when someone else is feeling pain. Um, Normally that's just called empathy. Um, So you combine our empathy with our ability to put ourselves in other people's places and that's basically how morality comes about. Um, so you've got the philosophy of morality that's come about uh, trying to explain this phenomenon. And a lot of times they'll talk about should haves or is is the odds, but most of that's largely irrelevant because whether we should have morality or not is completely independent from the fact that we actually do have morality because of the brain structures in our brain. We actually do feel for other people. Um, and... So to give uh, Marvin's example of torturing babies for fun, most people don't do that because they have these brain structures in their brain that makes them feel the pain that the baby's feeling. So that's why we don't torture babies. Now, a psychopath, on the other hand, that doesn't have these brain structures, he's not gonna have any problems torturing babies for fun because he doesn't have this, uh, his brain's not set up to feel the pain of others so um so it's not a universal thing that everyone thinks that uh, torturing babies for fun is um is wrong because psychopaths have no problem doing it um and i guess that's that'll cover everything for now
0: okay awesome so yeah um at this point i'm gonna open it up to free discussion and you guys saved a lot of time so Um, I see. I'm just going to show this little comment. Hold on one second. Because one of the co-hosts, this, I forgot to mention. um, So this isn't just a real Seeker show. During the month of March, uh, Tyler Fowler and David Russell are taking vacation. So this is also on the Faith Unaltered podcast. And I think David's going to be posting it on Skeptics and Seekers. So you get three podcasts for the price of one uh, today, but hello, Tyler. Nice to see you. All right, cool. So, yeah. With that said, I'm going to butt out as promised. And Marvin and Darren, you can have a, a free discussion for the next uh, 20 minutes or so before a question period.
1: Great. Hi, Darren. So, um, so you mentioned some interesting things there. So morality is part of the brain structure.
2: Is that That's correct? what the science tells us?
1: Okay. Well, it's certainly not all the science. It's uh, the science you, you want to put forward today huh so well, how is no, it's established
2: it, fact in the neuroscience
1: how does it uh, not in not amongst neuroscientists neuroscientists that i've read such as wilton uh, penfield
2: so and, how did, does, and did wilton penfield live
1: how uh, how does um how does our mind tell us what is moral how does science tell us what is moral
2: Uh, Science doesn't. The structures in our brain uh, make us feel pain when other people are feeling pain, and we've built uh, moral structures around that feeling.
1: So morality is the uh, avoidance of pain.
2: Yeah, that's where the phrase can't look yourself in the mirror comes from.
1: Okay, because I'm thinking of an example that I wrote about in India, And it's the, um, it's the idea amongst Indian women that you must, well, what they found was, what scientists found was they were shunning anesthetic Uh at childbirth. And the reason they were shunning anesthetic at childbirth is they felt that they must go through some pain in childbirth. And the reason that they wanted to go through pain in childbirth is because they think it binds them, creates a bond with the child. So that's an example of where a society thinks pain is good. So is morality? if morality is reduced to the avoidance of pain, how, how do you account for that?
2: The well, when you're comparing two pains, you've got uh, one pain over the, another, and if their uh, brains don't register it as pain, then that's going to uh, uh, inform their morality.
1: No, they said it's painful. Well, they, for Indian women, I think giving birth is painful, it's not less painful than it is for Caucasians or Africans. Well, if
2: you're comparing the, the is, pain of birth to the pain of morality or if they've uh, grown up with the uh, ideas that that is the moral thing to do. I mean, for example, uh, I've talked to a lot of Christians where um, God commanded that you kill people on his favorite day for picking up sticks. They think that's okay because um, that's what their religion has told them is the moral thing to do. So they don't actually have that that moral pain, and they... Uh, and their god is telling them to do something, so they, that's what they do. I mean, it's not well, like it's, um, the, uh, the, the moral uh, structure of the brain is the same for everyone. I made a point to point out that psychopaths don't have the moral structure at all, and those that do have it are go- obviously going to be um, influenced by the people and cultures around them.
1: Yeah, that's not the point I made. The point I'm making is that if you say that um, science tells us that pain avoidance is what triggers a certain sort of um, moral response, what we find morally praiseworthy or blameworthy, I just wanted to give you an example of a widespread practice in which pain is welcomed. And if that's the case, because they think it has a, it has a good, is good right then it doesn't seem to follow that pain the avoidance of pain is what morality is bo- is based on and yeah psychopaths for sure are broken broken well, people you're not, if you're, you're conflating
2: two people. different things you're conflating the pain we get from the structures in our brain that manage morality and pain physical pain that everyone feels that they have to go through just because that's the part of life I mean, you're conflating two different things, so that doesn't really show what you think it is.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know how I'm conflating, com, conflating two things. I'm talking about pain. I'm talking... Well,
2: um, yeah, but there's lots of different yeah. pain and a lot of different reasons for pain, and we can compartmentalize pain in a lot of different ways. It's not a pain officiates all type of thing.
1: Yeah, my point is, what I'm trying to say is if, if morality is a psychosomatic response... I didn't say that. You- No, I I said, I clearly prefaced that with I'm saying. I'm saying if pain is a psychosomatic or some kind of physical response that triggers us to can hold something as being moral or immoral, then I disagree with it because of the counterexample that I've given.
3: Well,
1: except
2: the counterexample you've given is not
1: relevant. If If you think, well... It seems to be relevant in a lot of um, peer-reviewed articles on that issue.
2: I'm glad it is, but it isn't actually relevant to the point I was making. So did you want to move what on to something that's relevant? Making?
1: What point were you making? Because So what is morality? Can I ask you that question?
2: Morality is, uh, is the structures in our brain. It, well, morality itself is the cultural construct we've uh, constructed uh which is uh influenced by the structures of our, of our brain and the culture um, that we are a part of influences morality but how we get why we have morality in the first place what actually drives it is the structures in our brain so that's why morality looks different throughout all the different cultures that's why at one mm-hmm. point um following uh following the emperor without question was considered moral and now we find that repugnant morality changes because cultures change but the same things that we hold uh hold dear like the social constructs that keep uh, people together that we've sort of built this morality around that's what um that's how it all sort of works together so pointing out one specific thing in one culture that causes pain doesn't really prove your point because it's a lot more complex and as you would say nuanced than just pain
1: so morality is
2: what morality is a social construct we we've created that's why it's totally uh, totally that's why each culture has different morality
1: is morality totally a social construct?
2: No, it's uh, it's grounded, as you would say, by uh, those physical structures in our brain, which is why some, some things about morality, like loyalty, honesty, that kind of thing, tend to be in all parts of culture. And while a lot of the uh, peripheral things like uh, homosexuality, STDs, uh, Sex before marriage—that kind of thing changes, or you know, okay. complete loyalty to one so, person.
1: Um, so yeah, some of that I'll agree with. I agree with that. There are certain things that seem to be the same across cultures. They call that moral convergence. But I would argue that the reason for that is because we have a certain uh, an understanding of what is right or wrong, um, not because right. it's constructed. Not right, and we have an
2: understanding because of the structures in the brain that cause con- us not, uncomfort not when we It's constructed go against it.
1: by the brain, because what do you mean by it's constructed by the brain? How does the brain construct it?
2: Hmm?
1: How, does uh, it con- how, does the, how does the brain construct what is influence. right and wrong?
2: Right? I don't know. I don't remember saying constructed, but if I did, I meant influenced.
1: Okay. How so? How how do we arrive at what is right or wrong? I'm just not understanding you from what you've said.
2: It's all it's all basically social constructs, uh, based uh, influenced by the uh, uncomfortableness we feel from the structures in our brain. So oh, that's,
1: okay. So so there's no. No, the way things should be there's no right or wrong uh
2: that completely depends on what you mean by right and wrong if you if by right or wrong you mean some dictates by a god then no if you by right or wrong you mean uh harm to other people around you then yes there's no there's no
1: sort of principle that harming people around you is either right or intrinsically right or wrong
2: Well, and that's why I said at the uh, beginning in my my opening. That's my question. Right, and that's why I said at the beginning of my opening that when you talk about shoulds or shouldn'ts or anything like that, you're sort of missing the point because uh, we do feel bad about harming other people. So if you're defining right and wrong by how you're harming other people, we do feel those um, feelings because of the structures in our brain. So if you're If you're saying that right and wrong based off what someone dictates to us, then I don't see how that's even relevant.
1: Okay, so for you, right or wrong is sort of learned.
2: That does seem to be the, uh, what uh, history has taught us.
1: Right, so you would, so for you, you couldn't say, for example, a regime like the Taliban is intrinsically wrong in what they do. Banning women how they how they treat homosexuals Again, cetera, depends you.
2: on what your definitions are. If your def- definition of right and wrong is harming others, then yes, I can say that's intrinsically wrong because that's what the definition yeah, of saying, right you and wrong can means.
1: Say, yeah, you can say they're intrinsically wrong, but by their by your by your lights, they are intrinsically right given their purpo- their purported outcomes
2: well given that their definitions of right and wrong are probably different than mine um they will definitely think so but i obviously don't think so because they're de- because of the definitions i have for right and wrong
1: and that's where plausibility comes into it because i just can't i, I can't accept that
2: some well, I the mean, there is the way the world is. Up, there there is no universally agreed upon morality. There is no universal, universally agreed upon right and wrong. As you pointed out, the Taliban thinks that you're evil and the devil. So yeah, I but mean, I, if, but I think, if we're just going I, off of opinions about who is objectively right, then you have no way but I, of I, but I showing think that wrong. objectives actually exist.
1: But I think they're wrong, just because they have different and morality they think you're doesn't, wrong. Mean, doesn't mean more. That, that's irrelevant. Just well, it's irrelevant we, to them. That you think they're us, wrong? Either both of us are wrong, or one of us is wrong, right? That's, Maybe that's the logic of the thing.
2: Maybe it depends on what your what but your here's, standards here's are, another, what your lines you're creating. Here's another, are.
1: Question. here's another question I've got for you. What's and the let, difference between? Just
0: Marvin, before you let this yeah. let this be the last one. So, ask your question, have okay. Darren, and then we're gonna in about four minutes' time we're gonna go to the Q and A.
1: Okay, so what's the difference between subjectivism and no morals at all?
2: Uh, subjectivism actually has a moral structure, and no morals at all would be no moral structure.
1: Okay, so what is the moral
2: structure? I don't know. Dale would be able to tell you more than I am. He's the philosopher. He can uh, he can go through all the different uh, non God moral structures out there for you. <laughs>
1: But the, I'm supposed to be talking to you, not to
2: Dale. Right. And I have, a, as Dale will tell you, I have a very low opinion of philosophers in general, so. Great.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, with that said, let, let's uh, get into the Q&A then. I think, let me just ask you both the participants, do you both feel that you got to present your cases like fully to the best, obviously within the time limits, but the best, you could.
1: Uh, no, certainly not. I'm half asleep.
0: Oh, okay. It's
1: it's it's Was, twelve o'clock. So there's not much I can
0: since. do do as a host because you're living yeah. over in Hong Kong, Darren's Pacific time. So I, I had to. Well, and, I totally yeah.
1: appreciate it. I just know that if I didn't turn up, it would be considered an excuse, right? So I had to.
0: Toughen there you up. go there you go. Well, this whole thing was your idea. So yeah, yeah. you have to show up. Okay. Um, I, I
1: appreciate Darren turning up, giving his case. I awesome. appreciate that.
0: Okay, cool. So, okay. So obviously Marvin's got time. So I'm just going to ask, um, I had about at least three or four questions just to save time. I'm just going to ask two of them to you, Darren. Um, okay. So one of the things that you mentioned, the first thing that you mentioned is this notion of yours that god is not forget about god not existing god's not even possible Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um can you briefly just you know very briefly just kind of sketch a couple of reasons as to why you think he's not even possible
2: um sure i'll try to keep this brief um for one i material has never been demonstrated to even be real much less possible or even probable um when uh, you ask uh, Christians for what the immaterial is even supposed to be, they can't even—at least in my experience—they can't even tell you what it is. It's sort of like telling uh, telling you that a circle is not green. I mean, you can, I guess you can use that as a definition, well, I, but it I, doesn't really tell you what I the would... circle is. Um, and then you also have the just, fact just that, that uh, say... certain definitions of God, what, like let God they're and
0: you, finish, yeah. and then you, yeah, 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 yeah sure, uh, sure,
2: certain sure, definitions sure. of god like uh, greatest conceivable being I, I i think that's a pretty obvious thing that's you know greatest conceivable greatest conceivable being wouldn't allow cancer in his creation therefore greatest conceivable being doesn't exist you know so there's some uh logical things i don't think uh, could exist i mean sure the egyptian or greek gods could potentially exist but i think it's so unlikely that i label it as zero gotcha
0: okay Mar- marvin just take like one or two minutes to give your response because you wanted to say something
2: i was
1: just gonna i was just gonna say um uh about philosophy of mind that um the mind is an immaterial substance that exists that's the claim so so i would i would argue from that that immaterial can exist and that's that is the claim, yeah. It is the claim. Yeah, sure. That's
2: the claim. Unfortunately, no one's ever been able to back it up, so
1: <laughs> Well, that's opinion because I listened to the naturalist and the materialists, and um, it's well, not that must be why we have a not, science of the immaterial then, not right? Clo- not plausible at all, in my opinion.
0: All right. Cool. All right. So my, my last question for you, Darren, and then I'll give it to David for a couple questions and then we'll go to audience questions. Um, But my last question for you. uh, So Darren, you mentioned something very interesting to me about empathy um, Mm -hmm. and our brain structures and stuff. When I was taking my uh, ethics grad seminar for my masters, um, I was working with a philosopher, Dr. Roberta, Roberta Cornegay, who's, kind of, she kind of was teaching us one time that there's a distinction between empathy and sympathy. And she kind of more stresses, sympathy would be more important for morality, because it's not always, it's not always moral or good to actually feel other people's pain and stuff like that. Whereas sympathy is more appropriate, you can understand and act accordingly. And that's more, she was saying that sympathy is more consistent with moral action than actually feeling or putting yourselves in the other's position but do you see a distinction i know that's a technical question but yeah is there a distinction um
2: i would say that uh those are uh different gradients of the same thing uh you're basically putting yourself in someone else's shoes and then how strongly you feel about that would be whether you're empathizing or sympathizing
0: gotcha
2: okay
0: all right cool uh David, um, I'll bring you in at this point and you can ask a couple couple questions to Darren about his opening, about his case that God's not needed there.
3: Okay. Um, so, uh, actually a question for you, Darren. Uh, in your uh, idea that there could not be a God, I understand that uh, it might be reasonable to say there can't be certain conceptions of God's, but could there not be something uh, so powerful and so not understood that it might be called a god? And let's just let go of the you know pre- preconceived definitions of that. Couldn't there be, for instance, an evil god or a deist god that just doesn't give a damn either way? Um, are 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 those constructs not possible?
2: Well, I think they're. Um... To even evaluate that question is uh, impossible in itself because you're saying that it's unimaginable, and if you can't imagine something, then I'm not sure how you evaluate its possibility or not. And I don't, I don't even know what you mean by so powerful. I mean, this, what does that mean? What kind I, of power does he have? I suspect uh, how does that it there, work?
3: I suspect that there could be alien beings, for instance, that seem so, that are that are so capable of doing things that we can only imagine right but at that may...
2: point you're putting constraints on the concept so well, but alien that's...
3: beings are physical
2: we know that physical things exist right when you're talking so I... power there it's knowledge so that... what i'm asking
3: you is can you not step outside of the constraints of the concept that you have and acknowledge that on some level there could be something that someone would call a god
2: oh sure you're talking like a stargate type thing where aliens are have pretended to be different gods over the years, sure.
3: Okay, that's 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 all I've got. And I, I just wanted to, you know, Dale and I have talked about this uh, a lot and I, I can certainly conceive of many types of beings that I wouldn't necessarily have a problem calling a god. I think the, the word god is so... Filled with baggage that I would prefer to use a different um, word. Yeah, that,
2: yeah, I would just say anything immaterial, um, because as far as all the neuroscience says, despite what Marvin claims is his opinion, the neuroscience is pretty uh, clear that the writing is uh, But outside, if, if it's
3: something material, you could acknowledge that there could be something that could conceivably be co- called a god. Sure, but it's also understandable. That's all I got.
0: All right. All right. Cool. So let's turn to audience questions. And I have to start with as the host of Faith Unaltered. I don't I don't know, but this one's special. So I'm assuming this is a super chat because it's colored green for Faith Unaltered podcast. But uh yeah, so the Complete Sinners Guide and aka Tyler, he are he asks if the psychopaths lack the mechanism, do they lack culpability as well? If not, why not? So I'm assuming this is for for Darren, but we'll have Marvin give his response after. So, um,
2: culpability is actually kind of interesting. I'm sure you've all heard of the uh, pedophile that got the tumor removed, and he was no longer a pedophile. And then the tumor re- grew back, and he was a pedophile. It's sort of, I don't know. It's a hard question. And if you're just looking for vengeance, then it probably doesn't matter one way or the other with your culpable. But if uh, but if your legal system is set up for, um rehabilitation, then I would say that's best not to think of people as culpable, but as needing to be, I don't know, fixed, for lack of a better word. I
1: would just, uh, did you finish, Darren? Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I would say um, if a person is uh, not functioning right, then they're not culpable. I think this is carried out in American courts of law. There was a case, um, was it the Dallas shooting? I forgot, or was it the Denver shooting? Where the shooter, not, not a couple of years ago, was uh, declared criminally insane, and thus not cul- culpable. I think the same applies to the moral question. Unfortunately, they're not culpable.
0: Gotcha. So, you, Marvin, you kind of, just to follow and up I on I say, that, you...
1: unfortunately, because... Is yes. I say, unfortunately, because the idea is that, you, you know, from a selfish point of view, I'd like them be, to be punished for the crime. But if they're not mentally responsible, then they're not culpable.
0: Gotcha. OK, cool. Um, so let me just scroll down here. Got a couple more questions. Um, OK, so this one. So uh again i'm thinking this is aimed at darren but both of you will respond so so morality changes think of the ant gloves some tribal groups use for boys to transcend into manhood it seems like pain so that you guys were debating about pain and avoidance of pain mm-hmm. It seems like pain may be a good starting point but it's not the end-all be-all there's more to morality so yeah um I guess, you know what, Marvin, we'll, we'll just yeah. start with you, to be fair. So, yeah.
1: Well, I, I think that that was the point that I'm making. I mean, if you kind of reduce morality to the avoidance of pain, which is in some ways what the utilitarians do did, you do run into all kinds of, of problems. And um, I agree with what the poster writes insofar as that he's saying, you know, in this society, pain is to be desired. So if morality is a brain structure that is just there to avoid pain, I, I can't
2: understand it.
0: Gotcha. And uh, Darren?
2: Well, I would say reality is what it is, regardless of whether we like it or understand it. Um, the, um, And, you know, as I said to Marvin, when he raised this point, it's a lot more than just pain. Um, And what we experience on the subconscious level is going to be a lot different than what we experience on the conscious level. And morality is on the subconscious level when we're talking about pleasure and pain. Gotcha.
0: Out of curiosity, I don't know what he's talking about. What are ant gloves that some tribal groups? What is what is that about? Does anyone know or?
2: Uh um, my guess, I don't know for sure, but yeah, if I had I, to guess, I would say they put a uh, a glove in an anthill and then transfer the ants to the, to the boys. Okay. Yeah. Is that what you were going to say,
1: Marvin? Fire, fire ants. Yeah. yeah. Fire ants. Okay. Basically, right. uh, to, to, to endure the pain is a symbol of a rite of passage. I think that the Sioux Indians had another such, um, scenario in which they hung you by your skin and then if you were able to endure that then you were considered a warrior so there again pain is to be desired as gotcha. the moral good thing in that society
0: okay all right which
1: makes me question question that it's a, a brain function and i wonder if it's on a, if morality is on a subconscious level is it something programmed into us by evolution
2: um, not the way you've worded that now because evolution is not a conscious thing that does actively programming but it is something that is a result of sure, evolution so sure. that's yeah. how we yeah,
1: I, I, don't, I don't think
2: create societies
1: Uh, could you say that again, please, Darren?
2: Um, it's not you like repeat a conscious that, thing. Please? Yeah, it's not like a conscious thing where uh, evolution is making, uh, trying to program us, but it is something that evolved because uh, we're safer and able to reproduce better in societies than we are solo. So anything that uh, increases our ability to reproduce during, uh, through society is going to go ahead and survive to be passed on to the children,
1: right, right. Because you've got a whole series of evolutionary debunking arguments as well. When when we think about evolution sort of imbuing us with morality, we can think of we can think of evolution working another way, producing another morality
2: sure if we had evolved from from lions then we we would be talking about whether eating our children was moral or not Oh, i think i think okay cool so you
1: think do you think that there could be a scenario in which humans would think eating lions is eating cubs okay
2: sure if we evolved from um lions and that's an instinctual thing for them sure
1: You, you you think humans if we'd have evolved That way could end up eating our offspring, killing, killing other kids so that we could mate with those women and making the most of those kids by eating them. Do you you think we could have evolved like that?
2: Sure. I mean, we already have examples in the Bible where we go in and kill infants and children and everything else. I mean, it's not that much of a stretch to oh. add cannibalism onto that, considering we do have cannibalistic cultures in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. But could um, we have evolved, so the whole of society behaviors like that?
2: Um, I don't know. Uh, the whole point of uh, having a society is having people that... Um, Come together as a group, I know that uh, Jewish tradition for a long time before they became um, well, what they are today, that they had to sacrifice the firstborn to their god. So, maybe, um, yeah, and as he- long and as uh, there's lots of children but being made, could, and we- not all of them are being eaten, I suppose. Now, it's not like lions eat all of their cubs. It's usually just the ones that happen to be with whatever woman they want to, or whatever female lion they want to mate with at the time.
1: I would say that's true. Lions don't eat all of their cubs. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any lions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So uh, this time we have a question from someone who's no stranger to any of us. Uh, Brian with an eye. I suspect he has two eyes, but... Um, So Brian says, is it pain that is desired or the ability to withstand and overcome pain? Um, So yeah, I think Darren, we'll start with you this time.
2: Well, I think getting hooked, uh, I sort of beside the point, this whole pain thing. Um, We feel discomfort for doing wrong things and we feel pleasure for doing good things, sort of on a psychological thing. All these examples that are coming up about with span- withstanding pain is usually something that's not a moral act. It's usually like a rite of passage or uh, something that they want, um, you know, good things for the children. So, so sort of like taking your child to the doctor. Of course, they can experience pain. It doesn't mean you feel good about it all the time. And when you do, it's usually because it's a cultural custom, like circumcision or something like that.
3: Okay. All right.
0: Uh Marvin. Uh yeah, Marvin, go ahead and answer this and then we'll we'll finish off because I know you gotta go. So
1: yeah, no comment.
0: No, nope, no comment. Okay. All right, cool. So that's it. I no got problem. I got my little uh private chat note saying Marvin's gotta bow out. So just wanna say, yeah, uh thanks for, for doing this debate on both sides and sharing your perspectives on why you think you're right. My pleasure awesome yep yeah. um all right cool so with that said Dave, yeah, thanks thank for, you no problem i hope it i hope it met your expectations this show is for you marvin so uh yeah um cool. we'll have a great good- <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> no problem all right take care And for the audience you know, when i'm when fa- i when i'm, oh, when I'm facing
1: what? the parents tomorrow
0: you're facing the parents tomorrow oh Wednesdays, goodness
1: i'll think of you guys Sounds
0: good. Sounds good. (laughs) All right, cool. So just for the audience before I uh, end the show. uh, So next, next week um, I have, so for Real Seekers and also Faith Unaltered because it's the month of March, um, I'm going to be having two shroud related shows. So uh, we're going to have a debate between pro shroud historian, Jack Markwart and uh, Hugh Ferry, the shroud skeptic debating specifically the medieval documents and the Darcy Memorandum. Um, So that's going to be a great debate. And then we have somebody new, uh, Michael Kowalski, who's just written a book and he's got some groundbreaking new research on the carbon 14 that nobody's heard of uh, refuting that. So we're going to be talking about that. So yeah, with that said, have a great week, everybody.
2: Have fun. Bye.
3: Take care.